Easter Sunday. He's alive, isn't he? Several friends, they were sitting around talking at the coffee shop and the conversation got around to kind of death and dying and being remembered and what would that look like for each of them. And They started to ask, you know, well, what would, what would you like to have said? You know, when you pass away, what would you like to have said by people at your funeral? And one person, one of the friends had said, well, you know, I'd like people to be able to talk about my various hard works and and successes and the, the, the things that I was able to do to serve people. Another one of the friends said, well, I'd like people to say that I was a good dad, uh, that I, I loved my family, that we were close together, uh, and we spread that love around. And the other friend, without thinking too much, he said, well, i just like somebody to look over and say, hey, he just moved. <laughs> so, I'm here all week. I'm here all week. In one sense, it's a little bit of the story of Easter. Jesus was dead on, from the crucifixion on Friday. And you're here today to celebrate the rest of the story. Right? On Sunday morning, his body moved. His body moved. He's alive. Listen to, in Luke chapter 24, listen to what is recorded by Luke, the physician, the historian, the disciple, about this first people group on the scene early Easter morning. It says this, On the first day of the week, by the way, Easter morning, there was unbelief and doubt. Think about that. They had seen their Messiah killed, crucified, in the grave, dead. They weren't joyful. They were actually In disbelief, unbelief, doubt, what does this all mean? And so on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, The women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then in verse 8, It says this, Then they remembered His words, Jesus' words. John 2, 19-22 Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But He was speaking about the temple of His body, when therefore he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. John 3, 16-18 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
John 5.24 Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. John 8, verse 28-32 So Jesus said to them, when you, have lift, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 14, 1-6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you, would I have told you that I was going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So these women... Angels speaking to them, saying that Jesus is risen. Remember what Jesus said to you? And all of a sudden, a flood of remembrance came back and went forward in their minds to all the things that Jesus had just said to them over the time that he was with them. They hadn't understood. They didn't know quite what he meant when he said he was going to die. That he was going to be raised back to life again. But have you ever had one of those light bulb moments where the mist clears and you can see? Well, that's what it was like for these women. It says, when they came back from the tomb, continuing on in Luke 24, they told all of these things to the eleven, the disciples, to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there, the grave clothes, empty. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. What a stunning part of this story. The dead Jesus come back to life again. That is, if he actually died. Some have suggested that he almost died, but not quite, and that his followers actually nursed him back to health. Some suggest that it wasn't actually Jesus on the cross, but a a version of Jesus, that it wasn't really him who got put into that tomb. Well, it makes little sense. Beat a man until he's bloody and raw and bleeding. Nail him to a cross for six hours. Run a spear under his ribs into his vital organs. Have his death certified by professional executioners whose careers and lives depended on this prisoner being dead. Bury him for three days. 
fight off highly trained Roman soldiers who are guarding the tomb and then nurse him back to normal? I don't think so. He was dead. Not mostly dead. Dead. Somehow, by the power of God, spectacularly, supernaturally, Jesus came back to life again. He rose from the dead. I believe it. But his family and his friends and his followers, they had a more difficult time. So they didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. The whole idea of Jesus being alive, it was crazy to them. There was, however, this one person who was willing to check the situation out for himself. And that was Peter. He got up and ran to the tomb to see if, if Jesus' body was actually gone. Although he wasn't fully convicted or convinced, I admire his open-mindedness. When everybody around you has kind of settled their opinion on something, it takes a lot of courage to actually go after and find out and discover the facts for yourself. And Peter must have thought, it can't be true. But what if it is? What if the impossible has happened? Just as Jesus said it would. What if God has overruled death and brought Jesus back to life? That was Easter morning. And the lesser known story is what happened on Easter evening. Right now, the disciples, they're the only ones, and the people with them were the only ones who started chattering about what the possibilities could be. But in the evening, there was still hopelessness. People who had put their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, were still hopeless. And late Easter afternoon, two men were walking seven miles west on the road from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. And they were full of the news of the day. Now it seemed that all of Jerusalem had had been talking about what had happened. Jesus was famous. He wasn't just some kind of guy over here in the corner. They knew about the miracles. They knew about the things that this rabbi, that this teacher had been doing. He was famous and he was crucified where everyone could watch. Everyone knew that he was dead. Some were grateful to be done with him. And others were grieving their loss. But everyone knew that he was dead. And now there were stories, rumors starting to spread that his body was missing. Claims that he had come back to life. Some remembered that Jesus had predicted that this was going to happen. Others recalled earlier these miracles and figured, well, if Jesus could do all those things, he could certainly be the one who could do this as well. And for these two travelers... It was just too much to hope. It was too far-fetched, too impossible. Have you ever felt hopeless? Perhaps this good news, this rumor that was starting to spread, was more of a delusion than deep grief, and deep grief than anything close to the truth. You know, they, they had trusted Jesus as their Savior, as the one that everyone needed. They joined the cause. They had believed in him as the Son of God, the Messiah. And all their hopes were shattered on the day that Jesus was crucified. And they didn't want to get their hopes back up just to be disappointed all over again. 
And as they walked and as they talked, a fellow traveler came alongside them. It was actually hope personified in the flesh. He, he came to them. They should have actually recognized him, but they didn't. Perhaps they were maybe blinded by the, the low sun kind of hitting them off the road. Perhaps it was just maybe too unbelievable for them to recognize who this traveler might be. And they even invited him into their home for supper. A little further on, starting verse 29 of chapter 24 that we're in. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening and the days now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. Interesting, isn't it? The last meal that Jesus had. He did the same thing, didn't he? Broke bread, blessed it, and he gave it to them. And then it says in verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while we were walking and talking along the road, while he opened up the scriptures to us, they were starting to put two and two together. The, the you know, the the, the 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 big joke, the prank, the the whatever, the pull the the curtain aside. We we saw something finally. We're in on the, we're in on this. When they finally recognized who he was, when they realized it was Jesus, that he was alive. They actually rushed seven miles back to Jerusalem in the dark to tell Jesus' followers the news. It's true, they said. The Lord, he's risen. And their hopelessness was shattered. Their life had been shattered before. But now their hopelessness had been shattered with the joy that Jesus was alive. Everything he had said was true. So what if... What if it's true? What if it's really true? Perhaps you have no doubt. You're here today, including me, and you're convinced Jesus is the Son of God who died on a cross to pay for our sin. You believe. You've declared your belief to God. You've committed your life to Jesus as the one who's saved you from your sin, in whom you find forgiveness, and He's the Lord of your life that you know it's true. And you're actually celebrating here today because of His grace, His mercy, because of His love for you that has been freely given to you by God, the Father, Himself. If it's true that Jesus rose from the dead on Easter, then everything that He taught also must be true. If everything that Jesus taught was true, we can't be neutral A choice needs to be made. We must either be total believers or not believers at all. C.S. Lewis, a famous writer, once said, Christianity, if it's false, is of no importance. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. 
If the resurrection of Jesus is true, then we must believe fully in Jesus and follow him passionately. That's why that's on the back wall. We exist to spread a passion for the glory of God through Jesus Christ to every nation and every generation. Church, that's my encouragement to us today. To renew, to refresh your commitment to live fully and completely for Jesus today. He's our guarantee of life after death. And heaven forever. He's our guarantee. God received that sacrifice. He approved. And that approval is evidenced by Jesus being risen from the dead. He he is the very assurance of God's presence and His blessing in this life and beyond. And while life is full of its challenges, it's full of its pitfalls and sufferings, you and I can actually experience life and joy here, now, and forever. We've been shown the way to begin and continue that journey. And it all begins with the gospel. The good news. In church, we say this word gospel in its various forms all the time, or at least we should. We say, you know, we we share the gospel, the good news. And it's simply that God loves you and I so much that while we were still sinners, knowing everything you've ever done and were separated from God, That Jesus died for you. He actually rose from the grave and he's alive and here today. Ready to save you. Ready to save us from the consequences of our sin. Which is actually death. And eternal separation from God. We can actually receive a fresh start. A blank slate. A new beginning. And what's mind blowing about this is we can't earn it at all. We can't do anything, anything right, anything good to actually receive it. It's actually a free gift that we receive through a simple prayer of faith in which we actually invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life. That's the gospel if you've never heard it before. In the church, we often say, well, do you know the gospel? Would you like to hear the gospel? But what we sometimes fail to say is the gospel isn't just the truth of the words. The gospel, the good news, is a person. A person. You see, whether you're here today and searching and pondering, or whether you believe Jesus is who he says he is, and all those is-it-true questions are actually settled in your heart, when you invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior... You're not signing up to be part of a particular church. Um, You're not signing up to dress a certain way or to just get a Bible placed in your hands. Jesus Christ, God himself, is the gospel. He's the gospel. He's the good news himself. And we celebrate. That's what we actually celebrate on Easter We're saved because Jesus rose from the grave, defeating the power of sin and death itself. 
That's what you were all hooping and hollering about when we were worshiping in song together. And I was doing a little of this. Yes. <laughs> Not only are we saved and spend eternity with God, it's, it's infinite gain. Jesus, God himself, actually declares us heirs to the kingdom of God. That means that we're adopted as sons and daughters into, into his family. The family of the king of the universe. The, the family of the one who has set the earth on its foundations. The one who loves us. See, we don't get a system. We don't get a religion. We get Jesus himself. He gives himself to us. Maybe you've come here feeling powerless and alone today. Well, Jesus makes all of his power, his strength, his might, and everything that is good and holy about him available to us. It's available for us today to do life in the here and now. We're not alone. We are here to glorify him, to serve him, and to do so out of love and joy and thankfulness for what he's done for us. He wants his life to fill us and to become our whole life. To me, it's the greatest exchange. It's the greatest transaction in history. Our life for his life. If what happened on Easter is true, it changes everything. Blaise Pascal was a brilliant 17th century French scientist and philosopher. His research in theories like in mathematics and physics and economics and social sciences actually still significantly influence those fields today. And Pascal's wager is one of the most famous arguments that philosophy students learn. Some say it's an, an argument for the existence of God himself specifically the one true God that we find in Jesus Christ. So I want you to just stretch your minds a little bit with me and hear what Pascal said. He said, God exists or doesn't exist. Everyone must decide. And I've made a little diagram here to help us to stretch our minds with this. If you believe in God and He does exist... You go to heaven. You get him. That's infinite gain. If you don't believe in God, and he does exist, then you don't go to heaven, and you don't receive all that benefit. It's infinite loss. If you believe in God, and he doesn't actually exist, well, then you gain nothing and you lose nothing. And if you don't believe in God, and he actually doesn't exist, well, then it means we live, we die, and that's it. In other words, those who actually believe in God have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Those who don't believe in God have everything to lose and nothing to gain. Pascal wasn't actually trying to prove that God exists. He was asking, 
What are you willing to risk if he does? Where are you on this chart? And what are you doing about it? What choice will you make? So why do I give a quick lesson in reason like this? Well, the same goes for the Easter resurrection of Jesus. We must all decide if it's true or not. If we choose to believe, and Jesus really did rise from the dead, then we have everything to gain. If we choose not to believe, we have everything to lose. We have everything to gain. God, Jesus, eternal life, so much more. And he came for you personally. As a follower of Jesus, it's not just because I'm a pastor and this is what I need to say. I believe it in my heart, in my mind, in all of my being. I'm here today to declare, choose life. Jesus isn't dead. He has risen. Whether you're a believer here today or whether you're on a faith journey, don't hold back. Give your whole life to Him. Follow Him with every fiber of your being. That's why when I look at you this morning and I said, Happy Easter! It's because it is truly happy. It is truly joyful. It is truly true. That's why we celebrate here today. Jesus is alive. Amen.